Hello, this podcast is part of our tax podcast series. I'm Ian Hyde and I lead the tax disputes team in Osborne Clark. Today I'm with Matt Green, an associate director in the team. Uh, we talked in a previous podcast about HMRC's information gathering powers and in particular whether what HMRC are asking for is reasonably required. Today we're going to look at the role that legal professional privilege plays when dealing with HMRC's information requests. Matt, um, could you give us just the really basic definition at the moment of uh, legal professional privilege? That's that's really quite important to this. Sure. Uh, Put very simply, legal advice privilege applies to confidential communications between the client and their lawyer. So so a document is, uh, if a document's privileged, the client's got the right to not disclose it to a third party. And that would include in legal proceedings uh, and, of course, during during the course of an HMRC investigation. Uh, so even if a document is reasonably required, the taxpayer doesn't have to provide it uh, to HMRC if it's privileged. Yes, this, this privilege debate, I, I think, is often is often irrelevant to legal advice as it, as it wouldn't be reasonably required anyway. A, a lawyer's opinion on tax law doesn't assist HMRC in checking the taxpayer's tax position. That's right. And and HMRC's guidance does recognise that uh, typically tax advice, uh, whether from lawyers or non-lawyers, won't won't be reasonably required in a lot of cases. Uh, Where it might be relevant, though, is is where it touches on factual points. So, you know, the timing or sequencing of events. Uh, It might also shed light on the motives for a transaction, uh, and that can affect the tax position in some cases. So, like as we've seen, unallowable purpose cases. Um, Another area would be penalties. So demonstrating that you obtained and relied on advice uh, that can eliminate your exposure to penalties uh, if it does transpire that you got the tax wrong. So there will be instances where documents consisting of legal advice are reasonably required and a taxpayer will therefore need to rely on privilege if they don't want to uh, disclose it. The taxpayer does have a choice though, don't they? They they don't have to assert privilege. So with penalties, for example, it will often be in the taxpayer's interest to disclose legal advice if that helps support the taxpayer's argument that they relied on appropriate professional advice. Yeah, that's right. And I mean, you should always be careful, though, uh, for waiving privilege. Uh, once it's gone, it's gone. Um, uh, there's also the risk of, uh, of what we call collateral waiver of privilege. Uh, what that means is uh, if you waive privilege over one document or part of a document, uh, that can lead to a loss of privilege in a wider range of documents if those documents are necessary to put things into context. Uh, so, and that's really intended to stop uh, cherry picking where you, you know, only disclose the helpful stuff and claim privilege over anything that's unhelpful. Yes, I think that one of the good examples here is uh, is counsel's opinion. If you disclose counsel's opinion, then you will have probably also waived privilege over the instructions to counsel and any follow-up opinions uh, on the same point. Um, Matt, on a, perhaps on a more practical point, I sometimes find that taxpayers are worried about asserting privilege, that it was somehow seen by HMRC as being obstructive or perhaps even, dare I say, a bit slippery. Yeah, I mean, they shouldn't be too worried about that. Privilege is a long established, widely understood right. Um, so you're not going to have adverse inferences drawn about your case just because you've claimed privilege. I mean, HMRC might want you to waive uh, privilege, but they can't hold it against you if you don't. Uh, In fact, uh, the revenues litigation and settlement strategy is is quite clear on that. The HMRC wouldn't normally expect a taxpayer to waive privilege. 
Uh, it's also worth remembering that it's very rare for HMRC to waive privilege themselves. Um, where things, I guess, can be a bit more tricky is if you've got no other evidence except uh, the privilege documents. Uh, so you, know, you won't be viewed with suspicion because of your claim to privilege, but you might get an unfavorable inferences drawn about your tax position because of a lack of any other evidence being put forward. So most obviously uh, in, in an appeal where the burden of proof is on the taxpayer. Yeah, so we mentioned a very basic definition of privilege earlier. Um, it's not always as straightforward as that, as that is it really? What are the common areas of disagreement you've seen when it comes to what is or is not privileged? Uh, no, it isn't straightforward. And you know, there are many books uh, written about privilege and a vast amount of uh, case law too. Um, I mean, having said that, in most cases where the facts aren't complicated, so you, you know, you're looking at an email, for example, from the lawyer to senior management of the client, uh, HMRC don't generally uh, challenge a claim to privilege in those sorts of uh, cases. Uh, things get a bit more complicated, though, when you know, if the email chain starts to go wider than that. So a common example here is emails from, let's say, an accountant to the client and the lawyer, perhaps copying in the wider team, and then one party replies, and then, the, you know, you get a chain of communication often involving a, a variety of individuals. Uh, those communications are not on the face of it privileged. So, you know, you, you, you may get arguments there. I mean, there are still points you can make about privilege, and I'll come on to that uh, later, but uh, HMRC will expect you uh, to justify a claim to privilege in those sorts of cases. Um, I mentioned uh, accountants as a common example there, but you know, as soon as legal advice uh, is being uh, given by or shared with any third party who is not a lawyer, it is going to be much harder to rely on privilege in those cases. Uh, another contentious area is working out who is the client. Uh, so within a company, uh, it's typically the personal persons who are tasked uh, with obtaining and acting on the, uh, the legal advice. So not every employee of a client entity will be the client for these purposes. And this has caused problems in the past where more junior employees have uh, corresponded directly with the lawyers. Yeah, the, the problem here is, uh, I think, that in large corporates, there's often a wide range of individuals who are, as it were, interested or who the GC thinks might usefully be copied in. And that's helpful in terms of communication because there's no end of issues um, on privilege. So looking at all these uh, points, Matt, uh, what, what can a taxpayer do if, for example, there are email chains um, including client, accountant, et cetera, as you described? Well, one thing to work out is whether those emails themselves give away the content of privileged advice. Uh, if they do, then it's possible to redact them in order to prevent that advice being disclosed. Uh, so an example here might be where any, an accountant discusses counsel's opinion directly with the client. Okay, so let's, let's say we have claimed privilege and if HMRC don't agree. Can you just talk us through how to determine the privilege status? Because a, a decision has to be made. Yes. Yeah, so in in a, a tax inquiry uh, context, the main route is through the uh, the spe special um, privilege dispute resolution procedure. Uh, it's a bit of a mouthful, but I'll give you the, the the title. It's the Information Notice Resolution of Disputes as to Privileged Communications Regulations 2009. 
so the, what what these regulations do is provide a, a a means for the tribunal to determine whether a document is is privileged so even if you're not yet um you know, in the tribunal you don't have a, a an appeal on foot or anything like that um and you're still at the inquiry stage if you notify hmrc that you know, documents are being withheld on the grounds of legal privilege uh, then then you can engage this process uh, there's a pretty strict timetable so it's typically uh, a few weeks uh, on either side to make representations uh, those submissions then go to the tribunal and an ftt judge will decide uh, the matter usually without a hearing and uh, needless to say in this process hmrc don't get to see the documents in the meantime unless the tribunal decides they're not privileged that's right yeah Okay, um, we, we've been focusing so far on legal advice privilege. Um, litigation privilege is, of course, much wider in one sense because it covers all communication, um, whether between lawyers or not, created for the dominant purpose of litigation. Yes, it's potentially much broader. Uh, I mean, one note of warning, though, is that litigation has got to be reasonably in contemplation when the document is created. Yeah, and the mere fact of having an HMRC inquiry or information notice is not in itself enough to say that litigation is reasonably in contemplation. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's hard to generalise about you know, when the tipping point might arise so that litigation is uh, reasonably in contemplation. Uh, it doesn't have to be um, a definite prospect. Uh, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't even have to be more than 50% likely. Uh, but as you say, you, you can't just rely on the fact that HMRC are asking questions and, and take that as your sort of starting point for litigation privilege. And of course, documents created beforehand that don't subsequently become privileged uh, once lit litigation is contemplated. Thank, thank you, Matt. Um, well, I think that's, that's all we have time for uh, now. Um, I hope you found this discussion interesting. Uh, we will be covering more aspects of HMRC's information powers in future podcasts. Uh, but for now, uh, goodbye and thank you for listening. <laughs>